Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Do something. That's the message I keep hearing. But anytime suggestions are made, it's never, it's never acceptable. The suggestions are never acceptable. What am I talking about? I don't know. News Talk 1110-993 WBTP calendar here. And uh, yeah, interesting weekend. Um, happy Easter belated uh, to you and yours if you celebrate. And um, over, the, uh, over the weekend, I found myself once again in the middle of a, uh, a raging argument on social media simply because I offered some solutions, which you know me, I'm all about solutions. And so when people ask for solutions, I can't help myself. I'm a giver. I, you know, I, there you go. Have some solutions. There's a solution for you and a solution for you. Everybody gets solutions. That's, that's how I roll. So it started with, um, is actually, I mean, obviously the story at a Louisville, uh, Kentucky today, a shooting at a bank, the person who, uh, is apparently the one behind uh, the attack, used to be an employee. Don't know under what circumstances their uh, employment came to an end. Uh, But the shooter murdered four people, eight others wounded. Shooter was killed or killed himself, don't know, at this point. Um, Police have not given further details. It's unclear whether the death toll of the, well, it is clear now. This is the Reuters report from a couple minutes ago, but it is clear now that the uh, the death toll of five includes the shooter. Uh, and no, I'm not naming him. Um, dude, dude, police are trying to determine whether he was shot by himself or by police. They responded within minutes to reports of an attacker at about 8.30 a.m. at a branch uh of the old National Bank near Slugger Field Baseball Stadium. At least two police officers are among the eight wounded. Uh, two of them, two of the wounded, including one of the officers, are listed in critical condition. Um, the governor of Kentucky uh, apparently knew two of the victims, one of whom died. Um, and so... I think what we are supposed to do, we need to just rush in and fill fill in the gaps of ignorance with assertions about our political adversaries, right? That's how we're supposed to handle this, right? I'm supposed to just immediately start blaming other people for the actions of, of a madman, who, by the way, apparently one of the reports is that he sent a text message and told his family, told a friend that he was suicidal and he was going to uh, go murder people at the bank. So he yeah, he told people. And don't know, I've seen some other reports. I'm not going to spread uh, rumors about anything about the guy because I don't know if it's true yet or not. I know, I know, I'm kind of a throwback. I'm like old school like that. I'm not going to just kind of engage in the wild speculation and throw a bunch of stuff out there and not worry about its impact on the... Uh, on the conversation. 
But over the weekend, I threw out some potential solutions because people have been, uh, you know, what with the, uh, the, the protest in Tennessee uh, that looked kind of insurrectiony. Um, and then that led to the expulsion of uh, two of the three Democratic lawmakers that led the, the riotous uh, protests in the uh, legislative chambers from the well of the House. Um, they got they got expelled. And then, of course, people were mad about that. And and then, of course, people were tying that into North Carolina's uh, politics with the, uh, the, uh, the the party affiliation switch of Trisha Cotham from Democrat to Republican. And so, of course, everybody's playing the D or D game with Trisha now. Defend or disavow, Trisha. Defend or disavow. So I, you know, I gave her a heads up. I'm like, I, wish, I hope somebody told her before she made this switch that she's now going to have to play D or D. Because, like, as a lifelong Democrat, she hasn't had to do that. You don't, you don't get forced to play D or D as a Democrat. It's one of the nice things. It's Democrat privilege. You don't, you don't have to answer for the latest stupid thing that AOC said, Right. That's the nice thing about being a Democrat. You never have to play the defend or disavow game where somebody somewhere that shares your party affiliation <clears throat> says something or does something. And then your local media rushes to you, sticks a microphone in your face and makes you play D or D, even if you have no idea what the person said or the context in which they said it or whatever. It doesn't matter. They don't care. The point is to tie you to what this other person said. And is that's a that, that is the game that is run on Republicans all the time. All the time. And the latest one to, to play the game was Bob Orr, former state Supreme Court judge, who told Trisha Cotham, you need to defend or disavow. And I went over this last week. I'm not going to rehash it. And so I, you know, when AOC said what she said about Biden should just ignore a ruling from a federal court, because she didn't like the ruling. It was about the abortion drug, right? Now you got competing federal courts with, uh, or you got different federal courts with competing interpretations of law with one of these abortion drugs. And it's, so that's obviously going to fast track it up to the U.S. Supreme Court, because whenever you've got federal districts that are in conflict with their rulings, uh, you need the Supreme Court to come in and settle the matter. And so that's probably where it's going to go. And I guess people on the left are probably pretty worried about the way it's going to shake out because they don't trust the Supreme Court because, you know, they're evil Republicans. And Clarence Thomas has a friend who's rich. So as we learned from the ProPublica uh, article that was published the other day, uh, he's got a friend who's rich. ProPublica, by the way, funded by George Soros, which we're not allowed to say unless you're accused of being an anti-Semite. Uh, but ProPublica did the article. A rich guy, friend of theirs, who doesn't like Clarence Thomas, but I'm sure it's got nothing to do with anything. Um, and so I understand the left is going to be nervous about that ruling, but what AOC was saying is that we need to dis, uh, uh, dismiss and just ignore the ruling from the federal court to disobey it. And I then threw that out to the judge. Of course, no, no, no D or D there. His whole timeline is just filled with attacks on Republicans defense of of leftists because that's what being a republican today means i guess i don't know that's yeah so i threw out some potential solutions and the thing you need to keep in mind on uh gun violence gun deaths 
is that when when people are hyper focused on mass shootings, which you want to go by the media definition, which is four or more. And they changed this recently, by the way. It was a certain number of deaths before. I think it was four deaths at once or three deaths at once. Now it's four shot. Okay, so now that increases the number of mass shootings. And now you're throwing in a lot more street crime. Gang violence is getting tossed into these numbers. That's why the numbers seem a lot higher now than they used to be, because there's been a media redefinition of the of what constitutes a mass shooting. Anyway, um, and look, you know, the, the stats are what they are. And I heard a fellow call uh, Vince's show right before and he talked about he was at, he was uh, saying like the number of homicides, you know, committed by what type of method. And I, I will give you the numbers. These are from uh, this is from Statista or Statista.com, the number of murder victims in the U.S. in 2021 by weapon used. And this is from, let me see here, let me pull up the source. Do, do, do. Hey, oh, come on, really? Can I not open that up? Open the, oh, I need an account to see the, ugh, whatever. Anyway, I'm not signing up for an account for this. So you've got um, do, 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 do. handguns. This is the number of homicides, handguns, 2021, uh, more than 6,000. Other firearms, type not stated, is another 4,700. So now you're at like 10,700. Knives are at 1,000. Personal weapons like hands, fists, feet, 460. Rifles, another 447. So about 11,000, okay? About 11,000. Now, mass shootings account for a tiny, tiny, tiny portion of all uh uh, gun deaths. Gun deaths, the number one category, gun deaths, are suicides. Number one. Number two, gang violence, street crimes. Number three, domestic violence. And those make up virtually all, virtually all of gun deaths. Now, all three of those are going to require different approaches to um, to minimizing, right? How you would go about trying to minimize the number of suicides it's going to look different than how you go about minimizing street crime and, and gang violence, right? Different approaches. Much like the mass shooting of, you know, non-hardened targets, like a Christian school. Sorry, can we call it a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee? I think we, I mean, it was, but I noticed that's been left out. And so I threw out a couple of suggestions for specifically mass shootings. But what happens is whenever you throw out Whenever you throw out some solutions for one of these types of uh, crimes, you then get the conflation, right? People then start throwing all of this other stuff in, and they start trying to argue these other points, right? Because what their intention is, is to take guns. See, if you're, if you're going at this problem of gun violence, if you're, if you're going at it from an approach that already determines that you want to take the guns, right, then every single solution that you get presented is going to be inadequate because you you're working backwards right you know what you want to see from the policy perspective now you're just trying to 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 fit arguments into that policy right you're trying to just shoehorn the arguments to make the policy be what you want it to be but if you're actually interested in trying to combat gun deaths then you've got to break them down into the different categories and then you have to actually try to you know reduce the gun deaths. And how do you do that? 
I got some ideas. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Um, I got your email, Greg. I don't know why it's saying you got blocked. I got it. Um, oh, it could be from when I blocked you. No, I'm kidding. I didn't block you. Um, yeah, so on Twitter... Over the weekend, uh, in reaction to uh, the demands that we do something regarding, quote, common sense, gun laws, do something, do something. And so I always throw out some ideas that we could do. And so I said, particularly for the mass shootings at schools, right? Um, Number one, you could allow school personnel to conceal carry. Oh, hang on. I should probably... I should probably do this. Allow school personnel to conceal carry. Right. right. Oh, no. Yes. Now, keep in mind, I said allow school personnel. I didn't say require teachers. I did not say that. But apparently... When gun controllers, when gun grabbers here allow, they swap that word out in their brain with require. And they hear school personnel as only teachers. I'm not, te- look, I'm a lowercase l libertarian. I'm not going to tell you to go out and buy a gun if you don't want to buy a gun. If you don't want one, don't buy one. If you don't want to conceal carry, don't conceal carry. But if you want to, go ahead. That, yeah. Go get the training, get your permits. Yeah, absolutely. See, I'm a, I'm a live and let live kind of a guy. And if, if, you know, you are in virtually any other profession and you're a concealed carry holder, you, generally you're allowed to conceal carry. So why not let school personnel conceal carry? Right? The, uh, the custodian or the gym teacher or something, whatever. I don't like the assistant principal. You got a couple of them in there. So the rea- so that that was one that was one action item I threw out there one suggestion one solution not requiring everybody but just allowing and now you don't know now the shooters don't know so here's the response I got number one you don't trust teachers to do curriculum yet you're going to trust them uh, to carry guns uh, then they're going to be caught in the crossfire they're going to shoot innocent kids the guns are going to get uh, lost or stolen by the uh, the kids and they're going to use them in the classrooms and stuff. Um, and then uh, the other one was the, uh, oh, that the Nashville school, they had armed school personnel there, and it didn't matter. Okay, so for the record, the Nashville school had, a, the, where this story comes from, and these, these gun grabbers are so adamant in their knowledge of this, where that piece of information came from was a 911 call from the school at the time of the shooting. And the 911 caller said that there may be one or two that are armed 
but they don't know if they're there. And they never found out if the one or two that may be armed. They, the, the caller was guessing. The caller was guessing if there was one or two. They didn't know. So we don't know if there was actually anybody armed on premises. There's no report that uh, that documents any kind of interaction between somebody with the firearm and the shooter at the Nashville Christian School, right? But that that in and of itself doesn't prove anything because the cops got there within, like, what, three minutes or something, and they engaged with the shooter, and they neutralized the threat. And what I'm supposed to then believe is that Somebody with a gun in the school that we still have no follow-up reports are because for some reason, by the way, the media just got very disinterested in this story. I don't know why. Anybody know why? Can anybody figure that out? Why all of a sudden that the, the school shooting story just kind of withered on the vine like within 24 hours? Didn't they have a manifesto? We don't get to see that either. It's weird. I don't know. Something about the details of the case maybe? I don't know. But anyway, the uh, the school shooting is like now, like the, like the reporters have moved on, and so now we don't find out whether or not there was somebody armed or not. Here's the thing. If the person is armed, and let's say it's a teacher in one of the school rooms, one of the classrooms, then do you want that teacher leaving those students, or do you want the teacher to guard those students? And maybe the teacher thought, I'm going to guard these students and make sure nobody comes through that door. Maybe that's what they thought. I don't know. But we never got any follow-up reports. But it, but that doesn't, that doesn't uh, 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 negate, it doesn't negate the benefit of having somebody, multiple somebodies, conceal carry on campus. Or how about this? An unknown number of somebodies. And you put a sign out front instead of telling everybody there are no guns on the premises that there are people on the premises who are armed. And you put that sign out front so everybody knows it. Or they think that that's the case. So you don't know. The uncertainty is the benefit. There's great benefit in the uncertainty. All right, now given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies. The full line of Augustan Farms and Mountain House Foods. Books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? From 1982 to March 2023, breakdown uh, by shooters race or ethnicity, 73 white, 25 black, 11 Latino, 10 Asian, uh, and then another 14 unknown, uh, then like Native American three, other is five. So the biggest one by a two to one margin is whites over blacks. But again, these numbers are going to shift because now they've started defining mass shootings differently. And so now a lot of young black males are going to be scooped up in these uh, in this data collection. Just a heads up on that. Now, if you look at murder victims in the U.S. by race and ethnicity, And also keep in mind that people generally kill within their own racial group. You are way more likely to be murdered by somebody you know, and you are way more likely to be murdered by somebody of your own race. Okay? Um, Total victims of murders. 
17,754. Of the 17,000, 7,000 are white and almost 10,000 are black. And 8,500 of the black victims are males. Okay, This is where it's happening. This is the major source of the gun deaths. This is number two after suicides. Number two is street crime. Okay, Which is why when I threw out my list of proposed solutions... Uh, first was, you know, let people conceal carry, but then also severely increase penalties for gun crimes and then actually charge them, right? Despite what the Soros-funded DAs have been doing, you, you then want to charge, you want to throw the book at people for gun crimes, including teenagers. And this is, by the way, this is where the stat that gun deaths have now overtaken accidents as the leading cause of death for kids, is because they've now lumped in, in some cases, 18, 19-year-olds, and in another stat that they cite, it's all the way up to 24 years old. That's how they get that number. I'll break that down in a minute, but that's how they get that number. But the point is not to punish the innocent. The point is not to go after certain groups, you know, demographic groups or, uh, or ethnic or racial cohorts. That's not the point. The point is, once you commit a gun crime, you're now not allowed to own a gun again. That's how that works. That's the law. And if you want to get people into the system, into that Nick's system, to block them from owning guns, that's how you do it. Is when they commit a crime with a gun, then they don't get to own a gun legally ever again. And anytime they try, they're going to pop on the Nick's. And then you know what you do? You go after them for trying to get a gun when they're a prohibited buyer. Right? This is how... This is how the, the, the law, the structure is supposed to work. But for some reason, the left doesn't want to do this. Right? It's, it's all about turning people loose, pleading down charges, dismissing these gun charges for violent offenders. And then I also suggested you offer grants for hardening security at schools. Right? But here's the thing. like Every single example of a mass shooting and every single example of a shooting is always going to be fodder for somebody who wants to take all the guns. And so then I start asking people over the weekend, and of course more outrage ensues, okay, well explain to me how you go about doing this. Tell me how you're going to take the guns from the, what, 100 million people that own them. How do you do that? Because at some point, when your gun buyback programs and your confiscation, voluntary confiscation, when those programs... Uh, run out and you've you've exhausted all of that pool there's nobody left that is willingly turning over their guns then what do you think there might be some bloodshed there i suspect there would be and by the way i think a lot of people that are in the gun grabbing crowd are okay with that because the right people will be getting killed and uh, seriously this is the this is what was communicated to me over the weekend is that uh, uh, i should die and to help further that along, here's, here's where I live. They did that again to me. This is how the left argues with me. After I gave them solutions, because I said, we've discussed these different things for years. Democrats don't want to do them. And then they proceeded to attack me, threaten me, and say that, of course, uh, 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 we would do anything to save all of the lives. And that's that you're lying. And that's not true. And then, of course, they proceed to reject all of these ideas. Because the only idea that they are okay with is confiscation. 
That's what they're in it for. That's it. It's the only answer they will accept. Let me go over here to Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the program. Pete, how are you today? Hey, I'm all right. How are you? Okay. I have an indisputable opinion. That's why I sort of called you. Okay. All right. Well, just for the record, you didn't sort of call me. You uh, you actually did call me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, We talk about what you're talking about now, like the left, the right, uh, Republicans, Democrats, blacks, whites. To me, my first premise is your biggest influencer day to day in your life, not not who changed my life or who raised me, but the biggest day-to-day influencer in your life, I feel, is the media, all forms of media, entertainment, news, you know, everything. So, and the media is driven by greed, and people are driven by fear and anxiety. So if you connect the dots, the, the media, who is our biggest influencer, gives us fear and anxiety and it drives people to 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 because guns don't kill people people kill people it's the biggest influencer on people that are killing it until this changes i i don't see how it's not going to evolve worse and worse regardless of what laws we invoke or don't invoke because it's the people that have to change i'm old yeah i'm old enough to remember when people on the left said that you cannot legislate morality you remember that? That was a common refrain. You can't legislate morality. Uh, yet that is precisely what they're attempting to do now. The problem that is driving this is a, is a societal, cultural rot. That's the problem. We have, uh, we have the glorification of criminality, the celebration of violence and vengeance. Uh, Bill Maher, I, I played one of, his, uh, uh, one of his bits from a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, where he just ran through the names of movies that had vengeance in the title. And it's just this parade of, you know, anti-hero exacting revenge on the people who slighted him somehow. And just this glorification of violence. And that has an imp- You can't tell me that that does not influence the culture. Of course it does. You can't claim credit for breaking down barriers for gay marriage with Will and Grace television programming, but then say all the movies where people walk in and shoot everybody up and they're justified in doing so, you know, like, oh, look how cool it all looks, that that doesn't. Of course it does. Yeah. No, it's everywhere. It's, it's like, and who's the worst? Our politicians, if you listen to the rhetoric now, is, is, you know, it's, it's not in any way what a politician is supposed to stand for. It's, it's bad, I guess, to me. Well, I mean, they are our representatives. They are us, so we, we can't expect them to behave better. Yeah. yeah, but it's the way they motivate us. Yeah, I mean, well, sure. sure. Because it works. People, That's yeah. so. So who? So do you blame the person who's using fear to sell you something, knowing that the fear is being used to sell you on it? Whose fault is that? Yes, they should be better, but maybe if we don't fall for the fear, maybe you know. Yeah, but it's if, on us. But it makes it makes them worse because they're selling you one thing. They're they're telling you one thing and selling you another. They're telling you we're going to give you information and we're selling you fear and anxiety. And then that drives people. I, you see it everywhere. You see it. How, you know people's habits. Um, I, I don't know what what the solution is, but I, I just see it deteriorating, and it seems to be accelerating. Yeah. All right. 
uh, Dean, I appreciate the call. Um, I think it's uh, there's a lot of the social media uh, contagion effect occurring as well, whether it's, you know, the TikTok ticks and the videos and stuff and the uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria stuff that's been connected to these peer pressure group, uh, peer groups and the pressure and such like it, it's social. We do not have any idea what this technology is doing to us. I don't think that they are separate issues. I really don't. The ability to research uh, mass shootings and all of these shooters, the school ones particularly, they all research. They all know the other shooters. They have a body count that they track, and they want to they beat the high score. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you restrict that. Got this email from Tim regarding concealed carry mass shootings. When seconds matter, the cops are just minutes or an hour away in Nivaldi's case. Um, I think today the gun grabbers are dancing in their offices again. Uh, yeah, every, every single uh, event is a reason to fundraise and is a reason to promote this policy objective. Every single one of them. Um, and... and and this is the only similarity why certain shootings get the kind of coverage and stuff. It's just, it's, it's the gun. It's, you know, that's it. It's, it's how we saw the attack on a Christian school by a transgender person morph into a gun control argument and then get displaced with this latest one until we find out, I don't know, if he's got his pronouns listed in his bio on LinkedIn or something, right? Then, then we'll move on to the next. It's, it's the one unifying issue in all of them, which is just take all the guns. Now, but they don't want to take, they, they can't say that because it's an unpopular position. If you want to repeal the Second Amendment, folks, please just repeal the Second Amendment. Just do that, and we'll see how you do. We'll see how many states go for it, how many people go for it. That's the process, though. That's what you need to, that's what you would need to do. Uh, let me go here to Mark. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. How are you? Hey, I'm well. What's up? Well, you know, I just was in my truck and I had a few minutes and I actually heard you because I do listen to you frequently either if I'm out working, doing home improvement work and uh, such. But, you know, about two years ago, and it really all has to do with, with gun crime specifically, I sent a letter to Vi Lyles, uh, Keir Putney, as well as the Charlotte Observer. And my idea is to try and reduce this um, gun violence here in the Charlotte area mm-hmm. is to create a what's called a parallel court system. Now, just think of it in simple terms as you don't want to wait with 15 other people in line at the grocery store. You're going to go to the 10 items or less. You're going to get the same service. The price will be the same. You'll just get out quicker. So point being, if we find you and we have you dead to rights, you're going to go on trial in a parallel court system for gun crimes only. You will not clog up the system here in Mecklenburg County and in five years, you know, have your appeal heard. You're going to have it done within 12 months. You're going to be able to appeal, do whatever you need to do within 12 months. But if we find you dead to rights, you're going to be dead in 12 months, 365 days from when you pulled that trigger. Well, you're talking about a murder. Now you're talking about a murder trial. I'm talking about anybody using a handgun in commission of a crime. Even if they don't fire it? If they fire it. Okay, so, and they, and they hit somebody. Correct. Okay, so assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill. Correct. And make that a, uh, a crime punishable by the death penalty. 
Yes, and I guess you have to get to a certain point at some time, some day, where until the punishment is swift and brutal enough to make people think twice about using a gun, this will continue. So I so here's the thing. I don't see a lot of the um a lot of the increased penalties as much of a deterrent. I don't I don't approach stiffer penalties from a deterrence standpoint. Uh, I do recognize the benefit in other areas. For example, uh, once you get charged with a gun crime of any sort, you know, possession by a felon or anything like that, you, any kind of a gun crime, now you're a prohibited buyer um, and now you're in the system, right? Which then ostensibly means that you can get more charges piled onto you and you end up being removed from the society. So it's not a deterrent like on the front end, but it's going to be back end, you're out, right? Like you're you're going to be in jail longer, you're going to be out of society longer, and that's a protection, a societal pro- uh, protection benefit in, in my view. Um, here's the other thing. People who, um, they just did this study, uh, was it John Jay College of, uh, yeah, the Data Collaborative for Justice, whatever. They just did, did a big uh, study, and they reviewed cases prior to the New York law that got rid of the bail, um, and they looked at the effect on cases after the law was implemented where most suspects arrested for crimes are not required to pay any bail to get released from jail. And two different main findings. Number one is that the people, uh, violent crimes, felonies, firearms charges, felony suspects, they all had higher rearrest rates. The people who committed the misdemeanors had lower, had lower. So it actually, the bail reform idea does actually have some benefit for the misdemeanor people. And so it sounds like it is creating sort of this dual track that you're talking about, not with a, you know, not with a fast track of the death penalty on the line. Um, but it seems like the bail reform for the misdemeanors, non-gun related charges, that is kind of clearing out some of these cases in a much faster way. And the people who are not, they're not, uh, they're not recidivizing, right? They're not coming back into contact with law enforcement, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, so I like I, I don't know, Mark. I, I appreciate the uh, uh, the call and the idea. I don't know how you get around some of the laws about sentencing for the death penalty because you would have in North Carolina you have a separate sentencing phase, and then the appeals process. You got to overhaul a lot of laws. You're talking about a lot of Supreme Court case law as well and rulings. I, I don't know if you can do it. Now, you can increase gun crime penalties. And I think that gets at it in a different way. I mean, but no, you're not going to be putting a whole bunch of people to death on the gun uh, gun crimes. Uh-huh.